welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith. And this is where we take all of your questions, thoughts, comments, everything you want to talk about. This is where you dictate our show. Uh, when we give you guys a chance to send those questions in on Facebook, if you're not already watching there, head on over there and put them in the comments section under our live video. While people do that, we figured we'd go ahead and start off. There's, there's been some stuff happening this week. It's so exciting. There were coaches back in the building. It's, it's crazy what a um, big step that feels like after, after the last few months here. So uh, coaches went back into the building on Monday, and I know that offensive coordinator Byron Lefwich uh, spoke to the media yesterday via Zoom. Uh, so I want to hear what, what were some of your thoughts on anything that he said or what you might have gotten out of that? Yeah, I'm not even in town, and I still get all this news uh, of all this activity. It, it's, a, it's a good feeling because it sort of feels like we're progressing back towards football. Uh, and Byron talking uh, yesterday, I believe, was another example of that. And he did a good 25 minutes on uh, a bunch of questions about what's going to happen with this offense because everybody by now would have normally – we would have normally had all those OTAs and I think the rookie minicamp I mean, and even the regular full mandatory minicamp would be over by now and we'd have a lot of data, so to speak, of what the Bucks offense looks like on the field. Um, we don't have that, obviously. So – and you saw a little bit – or you heard a little bit of that – in, in Byron's answers, you know, asked about, for instance, the running backs. And, and if there's a pass catching running back in that group there, is there somebody who can really fill that role more so than last year? Because uh, that's one thing Bruce Arians has talked about several times during this offseason is he wants that in his offense. And certainly Tom Brady has made great use of that in former Patriots offenses like James White, for example. And, and he said he thinks we have a couple candidates, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn being one of them, Ray Calais being another one. And uh, but he doesn't really know yet. We have to get him on the field and get our hands on him, as he said, and find out. Um, so it's just another example of the uncertainty and, and the, all the ground that has to be caught up on when these guys get back on the field. You know, maybe training camp starts a little bit early this year. Maybe it's a little bit longer. I don't think it's finalized yet, but we're heading in that direction. And it's going to be a real jam-packed, intense uh, period of weeks, you know, to get this team. In. But the thing is, and this is another thing that Byron said during that time, during his talk, it's the same for everybody. So it's not a disadvantage for the Buccaneers. I guess you could say any team that's trying to incorporate a new quarterback in their offense has a little bit more of a hurdle to clear, but everybody's pretty much on a level field. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I do think it's interesting. I've heard a few people talk about the potential advantage for teams who didn't change coaches, didn't change yeah. systems. Uh, that was something that Byron Leftwich I thought, mentioned that, you know, everybody for the most part on the team is going to be in their second year. Of course, rookies are always – new for everybody so that's going to be challenging across the board for all teams but there is a bit of an advantage there but then of course Brady is sort of new to the system so where do you feel like we stand compared to other teams on the challenge you have ahead of you of making sure that everybody's on the same page yeah even before Byron talked about that defensive coordinator Todd Bowles a week or two ago said the same thing but a little more emphatically definitely the continuity in the coaching staff and definitely the continuity in the defense uh in that basically the entire starting defense is back and a lot of those guys are very young players who really hit the stride in the second half of last year. He says that's going to help an awful lot. Now, he also cautioned that you're still back starting at square one every year. You can't assume any of your gains from the past year are automatically, automatically going to roll over. But he did acknowledge that that continuity will be helpful. And because the guys are starting where they are now, he's going to be able to do a lot more. You know, the, the thing that he can do to make defense even more complicated and it's a comp it's a complicated defense for opponent opponents and it always has been because he, he does a lot he's multiple as they say and he he's one of the more aggressive coordinators in the league but what they can do more and more and more of is disguising so 
you know, there's only so many different ways you're going to come at the opponent on defense, but you can make it look like a lot of different things. So uh, Sean Murphy Bunning was talking about that too, how the more they know not just what their job is, but what the offense is trying to do to them, and they, they get that through more and more film study, which they can still do during this strange offseason, uh, the more they can anticipate but also disguise what they're doing and, and give the defense the look that they think is what's going to happen, but they're really planning on doing something else. So I think that is a big advantage in terms of the continuity. And then, as we said, the flip side of that is integrating a new quarterback makes it diff more difficult than some other teams. We had a question from Michael, and I thought this was interesting. This is someone we haven't talked about a ton uh, as far as the effect of them leaving. Michael asked, uh, I'm curious if the loss of Carl Nassib will have a major impact on the defense. Well, it, it could. I would say the impact is that there isn't a lot of depth there, and we're so, so happy to be able to get Shaq Barrett and JPP back. And uh, that's a real dynamic duo at the outside linebacker position. But after that, you don't really have a single experienced player. I mean, I think they hope that Anthony Nelson, the fourth-round pick from last year, steps up. Uh, but all the other guys are basically uh, late-round draft picks or undrafted free agents from a year ago and this year who haven't really played any NFL regular season games yet. And so there's a lot of guys there that have intriguing talent, and, and somebody or several somebody's could emerge from that. But uh, you look at the depth chart right now, and it's, that really stands out as one of the positions where after the front line, uh, you don't have much experience. You don't have much that you know for sure is going to work out, which is why, uh, you know, Bruce Arians was talking about how there are still three or four spots open on the roster right now. Usually you, you run at your full 90 max during the offseason and training camp, but without practice, it wasn't that big of a deal. And they have purposely left some positions, some spots on the roster open for what they consider possible veteran additions and uh, guys that would kind of be able to come in and hit the ground running and know what they're doing. And he mentioned some positions that they might do that at, and that included uh, linebacker, but also defensive line. And that includes really in our situation, the outside linebackers. So wouldn't be surprised to see a veteran addition there if it was a value signing. Uh, but I would say the loss of Carl Nassib means you don't, you're a little scary at depth at the moment. Yeah. But uh, it would have been hard. I mean, getting all the guys back that we got on defense, losing just Carl Nassib is not too hard to swallow considering everybody else able to bring back. Right, yeah. Um, Jay asked, is there too much hype on the Bucks? And if so, do you think the experience of Tom Brady could help quell that hype? So in other words, how is there too much hype in the way that it might affect the way the team handles themselves, goes forward with, with kind of the pressure? I'd probably say a qualified yes to the first and a yes to the second one. I mean, yeah, there's, there's probably too much hype just because it's impossible not for it not to build when you add the greatest quarterback of all time. And then you also get his favorite target of all time, Rob Gronkowski, and the way the defense finished. And it's easy for an analyst, not just us, but you see it from national analysts, to look on paper and say, there's really not a lot of weaknesses on this team. This team, by adding Tom Brady and, and you know, maybe hopefully – probably fixing the turnover problem that was the main cause of us, uh, you know, not being able to go be over 500 last year. It, it's easy to connect the dots, but every single coach in this situation will tell you hype is fine. And we, we welcome all the, uh, we welcome all the expectations, but it doesn't mean much until we get on the field. Uh, so that's why I would say probably qualified yes to that first one. And yes, absolutely. To the second part of that question with Tom Brady being the one that can guide a team through that. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely something he's going to be doing. And when all the way back when we first signed Tom Brady, Jason Light said, yes, we, we're, we're signing him because not because of what he's done before, but what we think he can still do the next two years. But also 
he emphasized, emphasized over and over again the value of his leadership in the locker room and on the field. And I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Revan, I think is how you say the name. I feel like I might have butchered that. Uh, he's watching from Denmark. And oh, wow. I he, you would appreciate this. He said, I love Scott's off-season beard. Oh, great. So, I didn't know if anybody had noticed. It's kind of yes, the off-season scruff <laughs> coming in. Uh, and he also said, uh, Casey, I loved your show with Allie and Donovan. Are we going to get something similar this season? And no, the Allie and Donovan show was just kind of a one-year fun thing. Um, but then last year and then again this year, we're going to have the Bruce Arians show, which, is, uh, which was great. And I think everybody loves getting to hear from Coach. And um, So, yes, I appreciate, appreciate the fandom. Appreciate, you know, you're you going to grow an off-season beard, Casey? You know, I'm working on it. It's just not really coming in the way that I want. Yeah. I was hoping it would throw up. No, not so much. I think that we're going to leave that to your, your territory. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Dennis asked, and I feel like we get this question a lot, and I, I'm sure you still don't have too much of an answer for it, but Dennis asked, what's going on with Justin Evans? Yeah, that's yet another thing that we would have a lot more information on if this team was on the field. I think they had been targeting him coming back somewhere in the OTAs, uh, so we'd know by now whether that had happened or not. And honestly, we've got nothing. I mean, um, he's still very much an unknown quantity going into training camp. And uh, the good, the flip side of that is I don't know of how much we're, we're necessarily counting on. I mean, you draft Antoine Winfield in the second round, you're probably hoping he can step in right away, and you've got a number of other candidates at safety. So it would be a bonus, I guess, if Justin Evans comes back and plays like he did as a rookie and at the beginning of his second season, um, you know, there was a lot of promise there. There was some ups and downs before he got hurt. And obviously, uh, he's been unfortunate in that regard ever since for about a year and a half. But uh, I guess I would look at that as the answer to the question is no, we don't really have any new information. But it could just be a bonus when we hit training camp. If he yeah, I, to I have to imagine that outside of rookies, he might be someone that this time is the least ideal for. You know, the, the sure. way this offseason is going because – he had been hurt so much and they, he needed a chance to prove that he was healthy and hadn't lost a step that he probably more than anyone other than rookies is uh, bummed about the way that this offseason has gone. Yeah, and he hasn't even got to do that with this coaching staff at all because he didn't get on the field last year. So the Bruce Arians coaching staff doesn't know much about him really beyond what they've been able to watch on tape. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Jarvis asked, what undrafted free agent do you like to make the team? And he said he likes the LSU linebacker. Now, I'm sure that normally you'd have a bit more of an opinion on this because, again, we would have gotten to watch them do things on a football field. But uh, this might be a tough question for you right now. Well, I, Michael Divinity would be a good call. I thought he was a guy that could possibly get drafted. Um, he finished his college career pretty strong there when he got to play in the last game. Um, I think the quarterback um, – uh, uh, Reed Stinnett has a shot just simply because the, the team definitely wants a developmental quarterback. And, you know, Bruce Arians did mention the other day that the idea of a quarantine quarterback, you know, keeping a quarterback that can knows the system um, uh, away from the rest of them. Uh, maybe you even keep four, you know, that, that would be kind of extreme. Uh, you, you could also possibly keep Reed Stinnett on the practice squad. So that'd be another way of making it, so to speak. Um, I like also – uh, some of these some of these young receivers they're all from small schools like Travis Johnson uh, but they all did they all put up really big numbers in small programs and I think there's room for competition at the bottom of the receiver depth chart especially if you end up keeping six of them instead of five so those are all decent choices but it's a much harder question to answer I, I know by this point every year I always have a favorite or two among those undrafted free agents just from seeing what they've done on the field uh, so this is basically just you know 
pulling a rabbit out of a hat at this point. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's it's going to make us definitely have to pay a lot more attention to a lot more things and people at training camp to learn. Yeah. More. Well, the good news is we'll have a lot more uh, to talk about that will be fresh when we hit training camp this time. That's so true. That's the a bright good side there. Um, Tracy asked, uh, how can we improve our running game to help Brady out to have a record setting year? So um, basically, I, I would love to hear from you, especially is it going to be more about the running backs or more about the O-line in your mind? Well, it's all together. And uh, we already hopefully have helped by, um, by drafting Tristan Wirfs, who is a powerful run back blocker, and by adding Rob Gronkowski, who's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Uh, you put Rob next to Tristan Wirfs, and you, know, you might have a lot more power over there. Even, even in his uh, best days, DeMar Dotson was probably a better pass blocker than a run blocker. And he was good at both, and he was a great player for us for 10 years. But now you got Tristan Wirfs and whenever Rob Gronkowski's lined up over, over there. And, and I also think uh, uh, we might see more 12 personnel this year with two tight ends. So you'd have a blocker on each side of the line. And we could throw out of that as well. That's why we can run a lot of that. There's a lot we can do out of 12 personnel. But whenever you have 12 personnel on the field, you should be able to run the ball well. And that's something we really were not good at at all last year, surprisingly. I went through the stats a little bit before we went on vacation for a story. And I think we averaged about 2.8 yards per carry while in 12 personnel, and that, that simply shouldn't be. That, that, that group should be better at running the ball, and I think you can expect some regression to the mean simply. Uh, the, the results should be better regardless, but also that's another year in the system for all of those guys too. You have four out of your five uh, offensive linemen returning. Uh, Ali Marpet got better. Donovan Smith got better. Ryan Jensen has best year. Uh, Alex Kappa, uh, the coaches were saying they're really happy with what he did in his first year. You can probably expect him to get better. Um, and then we'll see what the addition of Keyshawn Vaughn does in one more year for Ronald Jones. But it's kind of a – you can't really say it's just the offensive line or just the running backs. It kind of all works together. Um, there's a lot of a room for improvement, especially on a per-carry basis. So I would suspect it will be better this year. If, it, if it's a lot better, that's going to mean very good things for our offense. But we'll see. Yeah, and Sean Asia asked, uh, what are your expectations for Sean Murphy bunting? Well, I mean, we all saw how Sean and Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis played down the stretch last year. Um, they all were really getting their hands on the football a lot, which was a big change for us, you know, even the first half of that year, but also the last couple of years, we just haven't had that kind of playmaking in the secondary. Now, Todd Bowles was saying the other day that we need to start catching those balls. Passes defense are great, but we need more of them to become interceptions. Uh, so all those guys, but the question was about Sean. So, um, he, for one thing, he's very, very confident after that. He already was confident, but he was very confident after that. And you could tell when he did one of these interviews earlier in the spring that that was the case. And they all feel like that extensive film study has really helped them a lot. And as I was saying earlier, they feel like they're going to come into this, this season with a better idea of not just what they're supposed to do, but what the offense is trying to do to them. And that will help them a lot. You know, I, He's still just a second-year player, so I don't want to shoot for the moon here, but he, he had three interceptions last year and came on strong at the end. So he could be our first five or six interception guy we've had in a while. I don't know. We haven't had a lot of that since, I guess, I keep believe we've had our leaders usually been around three or four. So of the three guys that I just talked about, he was the one who was best at converting his chances at the football into interceptions. So I, I would say my expectations would be that he would lead the team in interceptions, particularly if he ends up playing that hybrid role where he starts on the outside and base and then goes into the nickel, which is where they're going to start. There'll just be competition after that. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks to all of you guys for the awesome questions. Scott, thanks to you for joining yep. us on your vacation, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>